0: You lollygag the ball around the infield. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. This is the Bullpen Brothers. Welcome to another edition of the Bullpen Brothers. Randy Eitz, Dave Myrick here, talking a little college baseball, and Dave. What a crazy week for Oklahoma. I mean, they end up getting a game rained out midweek last week. play the three-game series and almost looked like they were sleepwalking on Friday against Kansas, taking nothing away from what Kansas did. But then come back and play pretty well the next two games and get a big victory on Tuesday night against DBU.
1: Randy, in my opinion, it was kind of a microchasm of the entire year. I mean, you saw OU play Really well, of course, to sweep Texas, and then the, they get the rain out and come in. Yeah, Friday against Kansas, the first game of that series. It's kind of what we've seen, right? That they play really good baseball and then inexplicably just have a game that you're like, huh? And then they come back to win the series and uh, you know go on the road last night and beat a top twenty Dallas Baptist team in Fort Worth. Something that uh, has only been done three times this year as, as DBU moves to twenty two and three on the year at home, but. A good, good good time right now for OU baseball as they move to 7-1 and one in their last eight games, unbelievably, and it couldn't come at a better time with two of their stiffest tests uh, right now, starting this weekend with West Virginia.
0: And even a better stat on top of that, 5-1 and one in their last six games against top 25 teams.
1: Huge, huge. I, I think now, granted, Arkansas Tech's wise, no
0: longer top 25, but when you take that last game in that series, then the three against Texas, maybe that's four and one. Sorry, four and one. I get, I gave too many games. Four and one, you know. But still, I mean that that's a good stretch. I tweeted the other night after the DBU game, playing well at the right time.
1: Yeah, you you did, and they are. It's it's hard to argue against that, and that gets tricky about you know who was ranked at the time you beat them. I, I, that's a different different conversation, but. They're, they're playing better baseball. I think we're seeing more consistency out of the bullpen with a couple of guys really starting to emerge as guys that you can trust and turn to when you need to. And since they've gotten Dakota Harris back in that lineup, I think offensively we're, we're starting to see a little bit, little bit more consistency across the board. I thought their approach last night, especially with two strikes was the most reminiscent we've seen this season from last year's squad a team that would just spray the ball around to all different parts of the field use the field have a little pop with Harris's home run and I think they, they kind of showed what they they can do offensively with a complete game last night both with power gap to gap and what they can do on the base paths and If they can combine that with some consistent pitching, it it makes a very good club, but but time is running out to put it all together.
0: Well, and that's kind of what I like about the last three weeks. It looks like they finally started to do that, and it's kind of one thing I I think we knew all along. Pitching was going to be the key, I mean, for this team. The offense, a lot of people think the offense has been fine all year long. It's had struggles. It's had, you know, but it's coming along a little, and I still stick to my guns on this. Oklahoma's got the most consistent, again, not high-end, most consistent starting rotation going in the Big 12 right now. And that that's good news for them because the one team they're playing this weekend is pretty good. And it, oh, it'll yeah. be interesting to see because playing well and getting that victory last night it was only good heading on the road to West Virginia.
1: Oh, no doubt. And, yeah, you talk about West Virginia being good, they are. And then doing some research for this upcoming series, I mean, they're, they're paced by J.J. Weatherholt Hit in a smooth four sixty three with eleven home runs. They've got pop, and they also do what Oklahoma does, and have steel bases. No
0: when doubt. When you
1: combine those, yeah, when they when you can, can combine those consistently, it becomes a very dangerous offense. They're also second in the Big Twelve in team ERA, so they can pitch. Hey, there's a reason that they're highly ranked and leading the Big Twelve. It's it's a daunting task for OU, but like you say, you, you don't want to be playing anything other than how they are right now, heading to Morgantown.
0: No doubt. And let let's just talk about, you know, the rest of the Big Twelve as well. Last week was kind of one of those weeks where, you know, we talk about OU. And to be honest with you, this entire conference and even West Virginia to a small degree, they they've only had their ups and downs like a little down there. You know, for the most part, they've been pretty consistently good all year long. But this Big Twelve is just it's, it's been weird, Dave. I mean, look at the team Oklahoma beat last week in Texas. I mean, they sw- or two weeks ago, they swept them, right? Texas still doesn't really have starting pitching. They're, they're trying to figure everything out, you know, and everything. And then they go to TCU, which TCU is not great. We're not making them out to be great. But I did, just for the way Texas played at home. I said Texas is going to lose 2-1 in that series. Because they gave me no proof to go, hey, they're going to go and win this they figured things out. Still working on some things, but they look like a complete different team last week.
1: They did, I think the surprising thing, you say is not great. It, neither is Tech, neither is Texas, but the weird thing is we've seen flashes from all these teams mm-hmm. of being really good. It just, nobody can seem to stay there, and you, you just cannot tell from one week to the next what's going to happen and who's going to look like who, but no, Texas uh, you know, Lucas Gordon did what he did. He, he got some good run support against TCU Friday. And they were able to piece together a, another win Saturday and then drop a thumper on Sunday. But, no, it's, that, that was very, you know, it's kind of what we come to expect out of this league. It's that one week one team looks outstanding and the, the next week you don't recognize them. And it's, I think all the pitching that was lost last year speaks to that point. Uh, people are still looking, even as time is running out, for uh, that second and third pitcher behind their Friday night guys. And like you say, I think OU has the most consistent three guys Friday through Sunday right now.
0: Yeah. And I'm not, and again, like I always say, because I don't want people ripping me or anything for it, thinking I've got a crazy take. It's just in the sense of you know what you're getting out of them. It's not extremely right. high end, but you know, you can go get five, six and eights out of them every week right now, I feel like. And to be honest, no, you're, you're not, I think the three guy on OU's rotation right now with Jamie hit going on Sunday, he's the best Sunday arm out there right now.
1: No question. Yeah, you're not saying that Braxton Dalton is better than Lucas Gordon. You, you, yeah, you're just saying that, look, as a collective, as B3 starters Friday through Sunday, they've got the best rotation in the Big 12. And it's hard to argue with that. Jamie Hitt was outstanding Sunday. I mean, what, he went eight innings, won the 100 pitch count for the first time in the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah. it's crazy it's, I mean, to it's think. hard about. to argue. Yeah, and it's funny because we'll talk Oklahoma State here. We've talked a little bit about Texas, Oklahoma State. Cowboys stepped out of conference play. I'm shocked they got to play two games because based on the weather forecast of Thursday of last week, I thought that's just a nice road trip for them to Michigan to go sit in a hotel room because <laughs> I, I did not think they were going to get to play. Now, for OSU, good news. They came away with two wins. That's all you can ask for. Bad news is... It wasn't necessarily the most impressive two wins against a very, very down Michigan team this year. They came away with victories. That's all you can ask. And then they lose last night after being up 5-0 to Ole Roberts, and they have no idea who's going to start game three this weekend. It's weird no, it, in the Big it, 12.
1: It, it is, man. Yeah, last week it was not looking good for Ann Arbor and Oklahoma State. But yeah, they go up there and then beat a very subpar Michigan team twice, which is you know that's what you you need to do you need to win games they did it really doesn't mean a lot in terms of the conference race or RPI or anything like that but uh yeah then ORU just has a knack for giving in-state you know schools fits in baseball and that uh that score did not surprise me last night even with Oklahoma State winning seven in a row they just they seem to play Oklahoma and Oklahoma State very very tough every game uh Oklahoma State it's kind of like West Virginia, just a little bit under them. And, and you know, the standings speak to that, in my opinion, that they've pieced together the best baseball this season consistently right along with West Virginia. They, I, see, put uh, it this way, they, uh, they've uh, had the least least amount of down weeks.
0: Uh, and, see, I'm going to go opposite of that. I, I OSU has been, I think, a mirror of everyone else in the Big 12 outside of West Virginia. And what I mean by that is, look, early in the season they were – going back and forth as far as records were concerned, wins, losses, wins, losses, and then all of a sudden they got on that big hot streak, remember? And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they played Texas Tech, dropped two to Tech in a three-game series. Then they won a few more games, lose to Dallas Baptist and Texas back to back, win the final two, and then after that they lose one, two, three, four, five, six, six of their next seven. Then they win. Five in a row. But look at the opponents they were playing. Not, you know, not murderer's row. They won eight in a row, excuse me. And then they finally play another decent team last night, and they end up losing. Oklahoma State is kind of that conundrum because they've got a high talent level, but I don't feel like they've put it together yet. That's the weird thing. Yeah, yeah. Dungamir,
1: I'm not I'm not saying they're equivalent with West Virginia, just outside of West Virginia and the rest of the Big 12. I yeah. think OSU was just, just under West Virginia in terms of being Okay, yeah. As consistent, yeah, yeah. As consistent as anybody has been, because underneath them, nobody has been.
0: No. I mean
1: it's not, really not weird. I
0: mean, it it's crazy to think. I think OSU, if I haven't gone back and looked at of the let's say top six teams, OSU has the longest losing streaks. Wow. That's what's wow. crazy. Think about that. Because you're not wrong in what you're saying, but then we also go, I mean, look, the last losing streak they had before losing last night was one, two, three, four, five in a row. They had another losing streak early in there. Not that bad. They only had, you know, they went back and forth. But yeah, five in a row is probably the longest losing streak out of all the teams in the big 12 you know, in the top half. And that's crazy right. about OSU. But then they'll follow that up after losing five in a row and win 14 in a row.
1: Yeah, it's I weird. mean, it's it just, it's weird. And it speaks to, you know, what they're going through along with everybody else. And that's, we, it sounds like a broken record, but it cannot be repeated enough how tough losing that much pitching off each one of these staffs is. I mean, I, I think you brought it up a couple episodes ago. You need You know, 80% of your recruits that you bring in to hit to replace Mm -hmm. that. And that just doesn't doesn't happen. uh, And we're kind of seeing the results of that across the league. Well,
0: when we say recruits to hit, literally it has to be 80% of the pitching staff. You probably have 80% of your recruits hit, but a lot of times that's a mix and match of filters and, you know, pitchers combined for the 80%. Sure. You're needing 80% of pitchers. I mean, because, again, let's take Oklahoma. And Oklahoma State's in the same ballpark. I've got a buddy of mine that tweets all the time, you know, like all this way into the season, and they still don't have a number three starter. Hey, guys, look around the Big 12. There's not a lot of three starters. When I mean, we talked to the Texas guy. He said no team in the Big 12 returned more than one starter from the weekend rotation. On top of that, look at teams like Oklahoma, and I don't have all the numbers for everyone, but I bet a lot of them that are struggling this year in this same spot. Nine guys went to the draft last year from Oklahoma. So now you're not only having to replace weekend rotation, it's not like you're moving guys up into that spot. You're literally filling bullpen spots, weekend rotation spots, Everyone, it's all new, and I think that's the thing that people get lost on. It's not just replacing a weekend rotation when you get hit hard in the draft like these teams did last year. It's basically replacing your whole pitching staff.
1: Yeah, in every role that they facilitated. You look at Chaz Martinez and Trevin Michael last year. I mean, two guys that Oklahoma does not make that Omaha run without guys that won, uh, I mean, just enormous, pressure-packed, championship-caliber games. And they're gone. And, mm-hmm. yeah, now you're handing the ball you're handing the ball off to a Juco transfer or a true freshman saying, hey, step into their, their shoes. That, that's very hard to do. And, yeah, I think you're seeing every team, uh, Oklahoma included, searching for those guys. Now, to speak just to Oklahoma, I think we are starting to see a couple guys emerge uh, with Carter Campbell. Uh, but I think he's been the most consistent arm out of the bullpen the last month. Mm-hmm. can't can't overstate what what he's done especially down in Austin so they're starting to find those guys I think but like we said it's it's getting late in the season for everybody and Oklahoma needs to start piling wins together so you got got to start figuring out who's going to do what very fast and they're they're on the right 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 track
0: I do I agree and I think the one thing they need to remember as the team when you're out there it's not about sweeps it's not about putting a 10 game winning streak together it's about winning weekends Especially right. now, they only have one midweek left. You go two and one every weekend, and if next week against uh, Gonzaga and Spokane, you can pull off a sweep. Gravy, you know. But it's about two and one, two and one, two and one. You can't get too down on yourselves if you lose a game, as long as it's your one loss of the weekend. They keep right. winning series; they'll be okay going towards the NCAA play. But you just yeah, got to no you Especially. just got to win
1: especially with who they have left, right? I mean, it's, they got the number one and number two team in the big 12 left. They're both top 20 in America, RPI. If you go two and one against those two ball clubs and then maybe win a game of the conference tournament, yeah, you're in great shape. And yeah, whatever you can do against Gonzaga win wise is just, you know, the gravy on top. But, no from from this point out there are two remaining series it's it's all about that Go two and one two and one and let the chips fall where they may and I, I think that'll put themselves in a good spot.
0: Yeah no I, I think so and when you look at the rest of the teams in the big 12 Kansas State, Texas Tech, that series I, I know I picked it two one it's not because I think tech, Kansas State's great. Tech is in the same spot as everyone. Look at the rotation it's it's shambles and Kansas State plays well at home. You know, right. and so it's it's very weird what's going right. on. And Texas Tech, I think they've got a ton of talent, you know, and it's like, what is going on with the Red Raiders? But it goes back to the pitching staff. It, it's pitching. the bugaboo.
1: Pitching, always. Yeah, Kansas State, look, Pete Hughes, you know, his time at Oklahoma is what it is. We all have our feelings about it. But I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think they're a little bit better than, than at least I've given them credit for. Uh, that series win against Oklahoma and Manhattan, I was really down on Oklahoma 4. Looking back now, it, it doesn't seem as crazy. Now, the, the Baylor series loss is, is a different topic. That's uh, a bad series loss. But uh, Kansas State, you know, that they, they play okay. They really do.
0: They, they play okay, but they play okay at home. That's the key. That's their problem, to be honest with you. That's Kansas State's biggest bugaboo right now. They've got to get more consistent on the road. But that's a sign of a team... It's got some young guys and first-year guys in Division One going. Right.
1: Texas Tech, like everybody else, man, I, I thought Texas Tech two weeks ago was the best team in the league. Yeah. It's, it's just it's that fast how things change.
0: Yeah, no doubt. It, it's been really crazy to watch how this team has moved on, or this conference, not team, because every time it's just trying to pick series. And what's really weird is this weekend is a weekend where there's only going to be two conference series going on.
1: Yeah, that is what. What is up with that? I mean, is this like the SEC equivalent of college football? Their week ten.
0: I I don't understand it really because I know everyone's got a bye week, right? But I don't know how it happened where almost everybody but four teams had a bye week on the same week. Right. It's strange, but part of that is I don't know if they went ahead and I didn't look this year compared to last year's schedule. I don't know if schedules started earlier or what you know as far as you know maybe they some team started a week earlier where they could have these non-conference you know series later in the year kind of like osu playing michigan last week in east tennessee state this week you know back to back out of conference weeks it's very interesting man Crazy. it
1: could be there's only only two league series with oklahoma and west virginia texas and kansas i'm kind of curious on that texas kansas series i know
0: it's in lawrence Tex-
1: I know Texas should win it. Uh, on paper, mm-hmm. everything screams Texas. But after seeing Kansas up close, they're gaming. They've got some guys that can hit the ball. And I'm I'm going to gonna be eyeing that series very carefully up. I've, I've got a got a weird feeling about it. I
0: can't wait to talk to Calvin later in this because if they end up losing that series, uh, Twitter might melt down.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say one way or the other what I'd like to see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave it as that. that's going to be a tricky series, and I'm, I'm looking forward to
2: watching that. Yeah, no doubt.
0: Hey, we're going to switch gears. We're going to be joined by an alum right now. Joining us, like I said earlier, Jeff Baginero, former Oklahoma Sooner, current minor league instructor with Diamondbacks. Right, Jeff? Yeah. Hey, Jeff, I want to start out the interview, and thank you for coming on, but your days at Oklahoma, you're kind of like the unicorn. You don't see a lot anymore in this day of college baseball, where you were an excellent outfielder and kind of the guy that came in and closed things out. Why do you think that's maybe changed so much over the years, and especially college baseball?
3: Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there weren't a lot of guys doing it when I played either, and I mean... I think the game has changed a lot. It's, it's very specialized now. There's a lot more, you know, private instruction at facilities and guys are quote-unquote POs now, which I never knew what that was a while ago, but pitchers only, you know. <laughs> so I think they take them in high school and create, like, pitchers only. And, just, you know, that that's happening a lot more than what I play, that's for sure. But I'm old, so.
1: Bullpen Brothers Dave, Mike Ernie pleased please be joined by Jeff Baginero. Jeff, uh, all the former players we talked to speak so highly of Coach Larry Koschel. I, I know that you, you got to play for Coach Koschel. That, that was actually a time that I was in school at OU when you played there. Can you speak to, to what he meant to you and what, what, it was, what it was like playing for Coach Koschel?
3: Yeah, I mean, I had heard a lot of good things coming from uh, – I went to Duco in California, Riverside. And the head coach there, Dennis Rogers, head coach with Coach Shell, I believe at Fullerton. And so there was kind of a pipeline there of players. And um, I had heard a lot of good things. And so I was excited to come out from California to Oklahoma and, and play for him. I mean, he won the national title in 94. Um, great players associated with that program. So um, Coach Coach and I had a great relationship. And I think he trusted me as a player and as, as you know, you know, maybe a coach down the line type of guy. Um, so that was kind of always fun in the dugout. I mean, he would stand there, and I'd be on decker in the hole, you know. And he'd he'd ask me questions like, "What do you think about this?" You know, and I always loved that about him—that he actually trusted me enough to to ask input. You know, not that I had the right answer, but just the fact that he'd do it. So Larry's great, and I haven't talked to him in a while, but um, him an alumni i been a few years back, and so hope he's doing well.
0: Hey, Jeff. I I know he is doing well. I see him out at the mall every now and then in Norman, so good to see him around town still. But Jeff, you've been in the minors for a while. You also made it to the majors. What's it been like through your journey, not only as a player, but coaching now through the minor leagues? What was that journey like for you?
3: I mean, yeah, I played for a little while, had some injuries and retired. And honestly, at the time, I didn't didn't want to coach I just want out of the game I wanted out of the grind the travel the being away from family and all that and then I got out for about a year and a half and I was like I need to get back in I mean this is who I am it's what I know it's what I love what I'm passionate about and so I got back in and yeah now I'm in I think year 13 in the minor leagues and um it yeah it's you know there, there's at the beginning it's just like I want to help players get better. I want to get better as a coach and this and that. And then as you go on, it's like, I want to be a big league coach. But at the same time, you're just like, I really, really enjoy what I do and helping guys and, and get better. So there's never that pressure of I have to be a big league coach. I think it'll happen in time and all that, but um, I, I enjoy what I do and where I'm at. And that's kind of the outlook I try to keep. Otherwise, there's this game, you turn it into it's not it's not fun anymore. You know, if you're just worried about the next thing, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, when you make it to the big leagues as, as a manager, we'll, we'll expect our tickets to uh, come to
2: come
1: by, <laughs> to, to no, come by mail. Hey, Jeff, I, I know that when I played, man, growing up, it was still the era of you know the, the East and Black Magic. It was before the BB core stuff, and, and you pitched in college before that happened. How challenging was that? Opposed to nowadays, do you think? Uh, you know, missing missing barrels back then opposed to now.
3: I think. I mean. I mean, in '98, that was my sophomore year before I came to U, and I, I think the World Series that year, the college World Series, was twenty one fourteen, right? '98. I think yeah, it was right. USC US LSU or something like that, and it's ridiculous, right? I mean, you you look at my college numbers, and I was a pretty good hitter. I'm talking about in Juco right now, but I wasn't that good. Those barrels were enormous. I still have, you know, it's funny you brought that up, because in my garage I have, like, this big old barrel of bats, just old bats, wood bats, and I have some TPXs that I used in college, and I'm just like, this is a joke. I mean, it was like a tree trunk, but it was still lightweight, you know? So, yeah, it's it's a different era back then. It was tough, and... But at the same time, I think hitters right now are a lot better than we used to be. We have a lot more technology. I mean, there's stuff out there that guys are using that's just making it a lot easier for hitters to hit, but but good for them.
0: Hey, Hey, Jeff, we talk about Oklahoma. You've been a former alum, and I know you said you were back a few years back at an alumni event. I know you're on the road a lot with the minors and traveling, but are you able to keep up with kind of what's going on with the Oklahoma baseball program?
3: Uh, absolutely. I don't follow it as much as I want, but I mean, I, I always check in, see how they're doing. Like I watch their schedule, you know, to see where they're going. I try to always see if they're in town during spring training. So I go see a game, but it doesn't always work out. Um, and then shoot, I think they were in Frisco right before I left for spring training, which I was mad about because I missed them by a couple days. And then uh, definitely followed them last year in the World Series. I was watching all those games before I went to the field, so it was fun. Family watches with me, and yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch them.
1: Hey Jeff, speaking of that World Series, uh, I mean, what what did that feel like? Watch, watching your alma mater make it that far. I know they came up a little 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 short. I happened to be up in Omaha watching along with Randy, but what, what did that feel like watching those guys get on on the run that they got on?
3: I mean, that was incredible because I know they weren't, you know, as good as they were in the middle of the season and all that, and they, like, took off late as far as I as I know. But, I mean, man, when teams get on a roll like that, it's just really fun to watch, even if you're not fully invested. I mean, I didn't know every play on that team, but, I mean, I was rooting for them, so it was really exciting time.
0: One final question. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jeff. One final question for me. Traveling around, I know last week, we a couple of weeks ago, we had Damon Miner on, and you were getting ready to face him, You know, coach against him. You run, do you run into that too much now, and the minors running into former teammates and alums there at the minor league level and just around?
3: Occasionally, for sure, but not, not a ton. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been around Damon since he's been in Sacramento for three, four, five years, and I've been in, in Reno with the Diamondbacks for a couple of years. So, yeah, I run into him quite a bit. So, I mean, yeah, my office is literally right outside the batting cage in Reno. So, like, when they come do their work pregame, we'll sit and chat for a second, you know. So, that's pretty cool. And I didn't, and he was before me a little bit, but, you know, he was, again, one of those guys that you looked up to as, you know, as a dude. So, it's pretty cool
1: having that OU connection. Yeah, he he, he was a dude along with his brother. And I know that we're going to try some more stuff for, for Ryan, you know, to benefit what he's going through. But... Jeff, I want to thank you. I know that you and I have been texting for a while trying to get this set up, and I just want to thank you for making time to come on, and I know that you've got a jam-packed schedule, and and good luck the rest of the season, man.
3: I appreciate it, man. Anytime.
0: Thank you very much, Jeff. That's Jeff Baginero, former Sooner from the University of Oklahoma. Man, what an interview with Jeff Baginero there, Dave. Really great catching up with – the former Sooner alum and what he's doing now, it's kind of crazy to see how these guys' careers just, you know, blossom even after they're through playing.
1: Yeah, Jeff over in AAA doing his thing. He, uh one of the last, you know, great two-way players at OU, a guy that can come in and get the save and still rake at the dish. I mean, I think he had a three twenty six batting average for his career at Oklahoma and 20 saves the senior year. You just do not see that nowadays, and it was great catching up with Jeff. We've been working through some scheduling stuff, but always great to talk to those former alum and, and know that they're following OU and invested in the program, and it was a great interview, Randy.
0: Yeah, it, re- it really was, man. Hey, joining us now, a man that follows along and follows Oklahoma and follows Texas. He's our Texas insider, if you will. Calvin Kirkland joins us, man, and Calvin – the Longhorns. I- explain them to me, please. <laughs> explain the Longhorns. Okay, well... Uh, I-, I think they're good I'm, one week, and then they do what they did against Oklahoma, and then I'm like, yeah, they're not going to win, and they go take two of three from TCU. I, I can't figure them out. They're,
1: enigma.
4: They're, they're like... They are an enigma. They're like the rest of the Big 12. It's just a crazy season this year. I think that they they're they're a little bit opposite of what I thought they were going to be. They are doing much better offensively Mm -hmm. than I thought they would do. They've come around, they're they're really playing, you know, well there and and some of their pitching, especially on the back end, has had some very serious problems in the in the last three series. So it's it's kind of putting everything together in one, you know, package and and getting it all put together and, and they're a good team. If they can do that. If they cannot do that, they're going to run into some, some serious problems down the road.
1: Well, look, I picked Texas to go on and beat TCU this weekend 2-1 to one, uh, just because of what they did the previous week. I think that's kind of the rhythm of the Big 12. One week they look outstanding, the game, the next week who knows. But it's the first time I got to see LeBaron Johnson, and, man, he's got some serious mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, speak, speak to kind of where you see him falling in line in that, uh, that Texas pecking order pitching-wise.
4: I believe he's going to stay where he's at. He has uh, got great stuff. He's a he's a big guy. I don't know. You, you say you did watch that game. He's he's a big presence on the mound. He's, he's a large kid. He throws hard. He's got great stuff. He was absolutely phenomenal in game two of that series with TCU, and he's being utilized right now to to fill that middle relief role that they need so bad. Okay. Uh, they still do not have a guy that's going to come in and close things out at the end of the games like you want to see. But as far as I've seen, nobody does mm-hmm. in the Big 12. So uh, I think they're going to leave him in the middle relief role. They've got great starting pitching. Uh, their Friday night starter, Lucas Gordon, you know, guys, has been phenomenal, 5-0 and 0 on the year. He's the best He's starter in the Big
0: 12, man. I, I really no, no. do. I think he, so.
4: He is a gamer. He is outstanding. And, uh, you know, they, they just got, you know, LeBaron got the win in, in game two because he, he pitched over six innings in that game. But they, they just don't have the starting pitching that they need, uh, especially their three guy right now. It's just been, it's just been a smorgasbord of, of, pitchers, they're trying to find the right guy like a lot of people are right now in the Big 12. He's the the one solid role that they have in in the middle of these games.
0: You you know, Calvin, I I don't think you analyzed the Big 12, I think, perfect there because that's one reason why I've been saying Oklahoma's winning the last few weeks. It's almost like they somewhat have solved the weekend rotation, at least consistent. Not high-end arms, but they at least know they've got three guys. Hey, go out there and give me six. We can figure out what to do in seven, eight, and nine, you know, and-, and
4: it's been fun. It's been fun to watch them do that. It's noticeable what they've done. Uh, it's frustrating getting to that point. It is, but when you finally get to that point, you hope for Oklahoma. It's not too late. But when you finally get to that point and you see what what they're trying to do with their rotation and they get it where they want it, it's it's just like A and B. It's totally different. You just see it happen, and we've seen it happen with Oklahoma. I thought that we had seen it with Texas, but, you know, it's not happened. They're trying to get Witt ready. He's not been good. Yeah,
0: He's pitched in two games now. He's terrible. And that's the thing. It's like a lot of people forget, and Dave and I have talked about this already on the podcast, when you lose guys to the draft and then the bullpen, you know, as well to the draft, you're having to move a lot of guys up. And sometimes those puzzle pieces When you're moving them into that weekend rotation, it takes a while for them to figure out their roles. And then the middle guys, like you talk about Texas back end, it's kind of like guys they thought probably would have been in the back end. They're having to move them up earlier in that rotation. It just has got this whole big 12 up in arms. It's
4: nuts. I talked to you guys weeks ago about Morehouse. I even threw out the the term, you know, all American. And, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. It's been (laughs) awful. It's been awful the last. You know, month of the season, he's been terrible. And uh, I'm not going to stick by that uh, prediction any longer.
1: He's jumping he's, off the All-American?
4: I'm way off the All-American uh, bid there. Uh, he's, he's having some serious problems right now. And, and I can't explain it. When you watch it, he's not doing anything fundamentally different. He's just – the mechanics are the same. Everything's the same. It's like he's lost confidence. And when that happens to a pitcher, huh, things go south in a hurry, and and he cannot find it right now. He's, he's not been good.
1: Yeah, when confidence goes south, that's, that's not good. I've talked to OU fans on Twitter all the time that I always bring up, hey, they, they lost Sandlin and Horton and Bennett. Yeah, but what, what goes overlooked is they also lost Taz Martinez and Trevin Michael. I mean, those guys came in and won these games. These guys pitched in on the back end. You don't replace that overnight. And Oklahoma's been trying all season. Texas has tried with Morehouse. But, you know, everybody's, everybody's kind of searching for the, that back-end thing. But like you say, time is running out to put those pieces together.
4: How great would it be to have a Trevin Michael right now?
1: Oh, yeah. Oklahoma. yeah.
4: I mean, these guys, just like you told me last night, we were texting back and forth about the game. Obviously, they had the game in hand. and. You know, 10 lead and you're, you're on pins and needles. You're nervous. You're scared. Yep. And that's just not the way baseball is supposed to work. And it's been that way all season. And it's frustrating because we are all baseball fans. And at the same time, we got to back up. Like Randy said a second ago, we got to back up. We got to understand that these kids are, are young, especially the Texas staff. A lot of them are really, really young. You've got to give them time to find, you know, their niche and, uh, and and do their thing, and Oklahoma, you have seen it happen with them. They still struggle in middle inning right now. But Texas, I think, is finally getting to the point where they at least know what to expect Mm -hmm. from who they put out there seventh inning on.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, I think you're seeing a lot of teams, Texas, getting to that point. I think Oklahoma is actually to that point. I think Aaron Weber, they're trying to get him right. That's one reason he came in last night in an eight-run game just in case the scenario that happened, you know, last night happened. You had time to get him out. Because I think the two guys in their bullpen, you feel really good, you know what you're getting out of. And that is Carter Campbell, and that is Will Karstens. I think the best sign for Oklahoma last night was what Carson Atwood did at the start, because that's a guy now, if he can pitch like that again and get consistent, he moves into that midweek Spot or not midweek, but mid-spot in, the, in a game. So all of a sudden, maybe you have three guys you can feel pretty good about.
4: If, if, if Oklahoma is able to do what we all hope they're able to do, turn this thing around, make the postseason, make a run, do well in the Big 12 tournament, that guy right there is the MVP of the season to me right now for Oklahoma. That guy has been incredible for them. Yeah, during this, during this, somewhat of a turnaround for OU.
1: Yeah, Carter Campbell, Will Carson, two guys who emerged last month uh, when it was needed the most, and they'll need it going down the stretch as their two toughest tasks are, are right ahead. But Calvin, I know personally, you and I are very good friends. I know the backstory of this, but for people wondering, how in the hell can a guy be an Oklahoma <laughs> <Texas Yeah>. fan? <laughs> why, why, why don't you fill people in on on how that's possible and then how it how it came to be? Oh boy. Oh, I knew
4: I knew eventually you guys were gonna pin me down on that. And uh, for the for the hardcore OU fans listening, it's uh, it's it, it's definitely a different deal. So, I grew up in Central Texas, 50 miles from Austin. I went to college at Southwest Texas State. Lived in Austin for six years. I grew up a Texas fan. I am still a Texas fan. Make no mistake about it. I've always been a Texas fan. They've made a, a comment in the first podcast that I did that I got back to my roots. I've never lost my roots. But over over the years, my son has two degrees from Oklahoma, my business. We do all of the glass work that we can at Oklahoma. We're doing the softball stadium right now. We did the football stadium. Uh, we've done pretty much everything south of the stadium. and. So OU is a great business for me. They they generate a lot of business for me. My son is a Sooner. My wife has completely transformed into a Sooner. Uh, we actually watched the 2008 uh, football game the other night together. It was on, and I reminded her that that was her first game. That was her that was her first Red River game, and she was decked out completely in burnt orange, and you couldn't. She'd go naked before she'd go and burn orange now. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a matter of being here and living here. My friends are Sooners. I, I don't have a lot of Texas friends anymore. It got to the point where I couldn't go to the games. Uh, I do try to get down to Austin, you know, once or twice a year to watch a baseball game. I haven't been to a football game in years, but. It's just, a, it's just a combination of, of my kid going there and of you know doing work with them and having all of my friends. We tailgate every game, and, and we've just become sooner fans, and it's, uh, it's a very interesting angle, but uh, once a year, <laughs> I am not a sooner fan. And uh, Dave knows that all too well.
0: Yeah, exactly.
4: Uh, had, had to walk him off. Had to walk him off the cliff last season at the at the football game.
1: And yeah, we were we were shoulder to shoulder for that forty nine to nothing shellac. I made it through about twenty eight <laughs> nothing. <and I> was <laughs> heading for. A but
4: but I also kept him. I also kept him in the stadium the year before when Oklahoma made the great comeback. Sure. I will take full credit for that. There you go. Uh, last season was not going to be a comeback. It was an ugly scene. My wife left in tears. It was ugly I stood there until the, I stood there until they made me leave but uh, <laughs> that's kind of it guys that's kind of it it's just it's just over the years it's you know hey you gotta sometimes look in the mirror and just admit who you are and and uh there's too many opportunities for me to be involved in Oklahoma sports uh one the, the main one being local I live here now and Mm -hmm. I I love college athletics. And for me to see that I've got to pick somebody here. And, uh, it's, it's been Oklahoma from, you know, pretty much. I went to the national championship game against Florida. What was that? 2009. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since that time I have, I've been all in on Oklahoma. I have football, baseball, basketball, softball. I go see them all. And, uh, I enjoy it, and I don't apologize for it. I know some people don't understand it, they say there's no way that it's possible. And then to a degree, they're right, because when Texas and Oklahoma play, make no mistake about it, I root for Texas. But any other time, I'm an Oklahoma fan. That,
0: that's a pretty cool story, to be honest, Dave. That's pretty awesome. Hey, one question from me before we wrap it up with you. We talked about the Jekyll and Hyde that this Texas and this Big 12 team is. What what's your pulse on this weekend? I mean, it's Kansas, not great, but they're they It's the they're easiest gutty.
4: thing to do. It's the easiest thing to do. First of all, in this conference, there are no givens, nope. right? I mean, Kansas came out and, and put it on Oklahoma game one. Here you go. We're thinking, crap, we just had a great sweep against Texas on the road, and now we got to play these guys, and, and there was a letdown there. What I don't want Texas to do, I don't think they'll have a letdown. They are coming off a great series win. What I'm worried about is them looking forward to the to the conference leader. They play West Virginia mm-hmm. after that. So they do have a series. Uh, I think it's with San Jose State in between. But what you don't want to ever do is look forward. So I, I expect them to get it done. It is a road game. Texas is somewhat suspect on the road this season. Um uh, you know, but they did go to Fort Worth and win two out of three. I think that they will get it done. I would take a series win right now. I don't want to talk about any kind of a sweep in this conference, but I think Texas is hitting on on cylinders right now, and I think they'll get it done.
0: You know, I yeah,
3: it's
1: okay. it's, it's, oh go go ahead just Aaron.
0: real fast. I say I'm just happy to hear you say a series win. I I don't know how many fans I always hear say going into any series. They need to sweep this. sweeps are not easy. I don't care who you're playing.
4: <laughs> they're not they're not, especially when you have trouble uh, with your lineup towards the back end of that, that, that rotation. when you don't know what you're going to get from a guy, it's really hard to huh, you know know what you're gonna, know what you should need to expect in that in that third game, but if they can go out and get the first two. They did it against TCU. I I was reserved to the fact that they were going to lose Game Three yeah. because I knew who they were. I knew who they would be pitching. So Witt came out and just he didn't last an inning. He was he was gone. He, he threw two thirds of an inning. I think he threw twenty three pitches in that game. Texas comes out, gets a two run home run. Uh, Guillamet hits a two run home run. They're up two nothing. You're thinking okay, and then. Here we go. Witt comes out, gives up three runs, and TCU just went to work after that. So, Kansas, they're like any – They're, I think they're probably better than Baylor, even though they have the same conference record. I think they're probably better than Baylor. And if you don't show up ready to get work done, you're going to get beat.
1: That's kind of like the Big 12 in any team, any weekend. This year is crazy in that regard. It's a hope for a sweep. If you're any team in this league, is nuts. This is a very telling series for Texas, in my opinion, because if we're going to see what they are and what they aren't, if they're looking ahead, if they've settled into what they're going to be, I think they go out and get it done 2-1. But they've got a gigantic series next week against a top-placed team in the Big 12. They might be looking ahead. So it's, it's going to be one to watch because Kansas is better than their record indicates. And they've played pretty good baseball in Lawrence. So it's that's a tricky series, and it's going to tell a lot about about Texas. But uh, Calvin, want to thank you for coming on. Insights Texas and Oklahoma is always appreciated.
4: Uh, no worries. I just do have one question for you. When's the last time you guys peeked at the uh, at the jammed up conference standings? Uh bri- Sunday. Uh, it's y'all, insane. Talk
0: about it, it is nuts. <laughs> it's insane. Calvin, just as soon as we start. Set- I mean, think about this. We say, like, West Virginia is, you know, they're easily the leader with four. But they have more series, I think, than anyone left. This thing is going to they be They have
4: one extra. They have one extra series.
0: Yeah. This is going to be a crazy mess by the end of the year.
1: You can go any direction.
4: I think if you can, you know, RPI is always a discussion in this deal. If you can just maintain and, and at least make a good, solid appearance, in the conference tournament the goal right now especially for Oklahoma i think is just to get in mm-hmm. if you can do that things can happen
0: hey cannot, that, go ahead Kilo, sorry
4: that, that's all i was saying and if you cannot do that then then it's it's going to be a tough finish to the season but you know Oklahoma does not have uh, an easy finish nobody no. does no there's they don't a, there's not an easy finish there's no easy thing
0: there's, nope. not, there's not, but you put it best. That's why I say, you know, when people are asking me right before the Texas series, I'm like, guys, they can still control their own destiny. It's just about winning series right now. You do that. And, and Oklahoma
4: has the two top teams in the conference to finish with.
1: Yeah. and so If Oklahoma goes 2-1, 2-1, maybe wins a game in the Big Twelve tournament, they will be where they wanted to be to start the season. It's all in their hands. And that sounds crazy to after I the start that they had.
4: I completely agree with that. I was even reserved as a five hundred, three and three. I was even good with that. Win yeah. one of the series, win three of the games, you know, make a little run in the tournament. And I think Texas is the opposite. They're they they already have some extra wins, but they still have to prove to some people that they are worthy of being in that tournament. They still have things to prove, even though their RPI is up, they need to really Finish strong, and, and they've got a tough road ahead to do it. Two, two road. Uh, I'm sorry, they play West Virginia and Austin, but still, tough, tough task. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see what we are talking about in two weeks.
0: No doubt, man. Hey, Calvin, thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, guys. See you. Right. See you, Calvin. Buddy. Always great having Calvin on. A great perspective, and he's right about Texas and the rest of the league, Dave. It, it's. I, it needs, it needs some medication, you know, because it is mental right now.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that it was so poignant, you know. You, hey, just describe Texas to me, and the long silence—I I, think—is indicative of of any fan, uh, really, of any team in the league right now. It's, who knows, man. It, it getting Calvin on is always a good dive in Texas. You know what their fan base thinks. You know what they see with that team, because you know. As people who cover the Big 12 and watch OU, we get to see them when they play OU, but probably don't pay attention as, as close as we should. But mm-hmm. that's always a good perspective to have and, and get his thoughts on this upcoming series. With Kansas, you know, one that we, we both think could, could be tricky for the Longhorns. But yeah, two, two conference series this week Uh, with Oklahoma going to West Virginia is, is kind of the big one to focus on because Oklahoma, Randy, is in a spot where they finish with the two top teams in the league, and they really need to get these series wins to put themselves in a spot where they want to be. So it all starts this weekend up in Morgantown.
0: No doubt, and if you want to, if people don't think the conference is crazy, Calvin put it best when we asked him about it. He feels like they're playing well and thinks that they can win this series and will win this series, but you could even tell in his voice it's not the overly confident like when usually a team that's in the upper half of the conference is going on the road to play one of the two teams with the worst records in the conference. You know, there's not that confidence this year. There's been years past where you're like, oh, that team's junk. They, they've got to go win three. I don't think there's one team in this conference right now, whether it's West Virginia playing a Kansas or an Oklahoma playing a West Virginia, that everyone goes, yeah, we're going to go win three. No one no one feels that way.
1: No, no, they don't. And to your point, uh, Kansas beat West Virginia this year in yeah, a series.
0: Exactly. At West Virginia.
1: At West Virginia, I mean, that's, that's why I can sit here and say, yeah, West Virginia is the best team in the Big 12. But are they really that good, or are they on a really good run? That's the difference. Right
0: I know. It's, it's crazy to think, man. And, you know, let's switch up a little. We're going to get Oklahoma perspective taking on West Virginia. We're going to be joined by Carter Campbell. Joining us now, Carter Campbell, Oklahoma left-handed relieving pitcher. And, Carter, thanks for taking some time out. I know you guys are getting ready to hit the road for Morgantown as we're taping this on Wednesday. But what a game for you guys last night. Was that just kind of the feather in the cap, the one over DBU, to kind of keep this momentum going heading into the weekend?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, hopefully give us a lot of confidence going in playing a. Good ball club this weekend. I think uh, I think the bats were just, I mean, throughout the whole game were pretty hot last night. And I think, uh, you know, we had the pitching to hold them down last night. And, you know, all around, good s- sooner win.
1: Pleased to be joined by Carter Campbell. Carter, yeah, you're right about last night. I thought that the two-strike approach was unbelievable. I mean, spraying the ball to, to all parts of the field. But in this last month, can you talk about kind of what, what's, what's thrown the light with you on? Well, what's become, you know – are you locating pitches better? Is it is it a confidence thing? And how have you been able to take the mound and and dominate like you have?
2: Honestly, like uh, like Skip always, Skip and Reggie always preach to us. You know, you know, uh, throughout the season, uh, part of it we weren't doing so hot. We were, you know, getting bullied, as they would say, we're getting bullied around a little bit. And he said, "There's got to be a time," and y'all got to say, you know, I don't know how to go out there and finally uh put the bullying on other people and i feel like uh not only me but the rest of the team has kind of reached that point and started playing for each other and i feel like it's uh you know i've been playing out pretty well for us recently
0: hey carter i gotta ask you is your is your arm just made like of jello because my goodness (laughs) you, you go out there every day every time i think Nah, Carter won't be coming out of the pen. I look in the pen, and you're warming up. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. what, what has got you to that point where you can just keep going out there every day?
2: You know, I've always been a guy, even whenever I was little, growing up. Um, as far as my throwing program and everything, I just I throw the ball as hard as I can every day. And when I don't do that is when I start having arm, arm problems, which is like, you know, you think it'd be the other way around. Most people, you know, when they're, they try and get some rest whenever they can. But whenever I consistently go out there and throw as much as I can, my arms never really, never really get sore. Obviously, my legs and, you know, other parts of my body, you know, get a little fatigued and sore. But as far as my actual left arm, it's, it's more times than not ready to rumble.
1: <laughs> that maybe you're just fired different man it, it sure, it sure looks so. like that. you you lead the big 12 in appearances man they, well, what does that say to you about his confidence he has in you that, that no matter what he's going to keep coming at you and giving the ball to you to, to to win these things well what does that tell you about the confidence he's got in you
2: i mean it's definitely a blessing um knowing that you know every game you have a chance to play so you know Cause a lot of you know, obviously a lot of pitchers, you show up and you don't know if you're gonna throw or. But I know that if uh, the game's close, then I'm. will probably be in the ball game, so it's it's definitely it's definitely a cool deal, a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, definitely, you know, makes me feel like I'm um, you know, trust a little bit by Skip and, you know, having him by my side, you know, definitely helps a lot.
0: Hey Carter. Let, let's talk just a little bit. I mean, it's in the past. I know you guys are focused forward and that's fine, but how big being a, being a kid that's been at Oklahoma, Texas kid, that series in Austin, how how big was that performance for you just personally to be able to, I mean, you get a win and you get a save against the Longhorns.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's the place to do it. <laughs> you, got, you know, coming out, coming out of the stadium like that. I don't know how many people were there, but it was, it was, it was definitely packed, Having whenever you're running in from the bullpen and having everyone in orange in the stadium doing you, definitely, you know, gets the blood pumping as it is. So, I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of fun, you know. But, I mean, on top of me having, you know, a decent, pretty good weekend, you know, the Sooners coming out the suite, doing something that uh, Sooners have never done before and making history, it was definitely, definitely a cool deal to be a part of.
1: Has to feel awesome, Carter. Let's let's change gears and look ahead. You guys wrap up with the, with the two top teams in the league standings wise, meaning that pretty much you guys control your own destiny. Looking at West Virginia, what, what do you think you guys have to do to go up there and get get a series win?
2: I think we just got to go in and uh, have the confidence that uh, we've been playing with. I mean, you know, I always say I joke with you know all of our teams, We I feel like we play better against good teams, so. I mean, it's not—it's never the good teams that I'm worried about. It's the, the midweeks against teams that are, you know, not that good. I'm saying not that good, but, you know, lower ranked in the polls. Those right. are the teams that I feel like we have to watch out for. Mm-hmm. But teams like this going in, I think is West Virginia. Where are, they, are they first right now in the Big 12?
0: Yeah, they're first.
2: Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, going in, you're already, you know, you're already pumped up to go play them, so you don't have to, you know, have a little "hoorah" pump-up speech to get out there and be fired up to play them. So, I feel like uh, we should have a should have a good weekend against them.
0: Hey, Carter, I I know we wish you the best of luck. Thank you for joining us, and good luck this weekend in Morgantown.
2: Yeah, thanks for
3: having
4: me.
0: Thanks, Carter. Thanks, Carter.
4: Tag Firearms is the premier seller of high-end brand firearms. AR-10 and 15 rifles by Novesky and LMT. Proof Research Carbon Fiber Barrels and Lightweight Hunting Rifles. Nighthawk and Staccato 2011 handguns. Silencers, receivers, optics, and night vision products by B&T, Envision, Defiance Machine, EOTech, Q, and Thunderbeast. Tag ships anywhere in the U.S. Visit tagfirearms.com.
0: Man, what a great interview by Carter Campbell. And and you're right, Dave. You asked him about it. And, man, he's really he's always been good all year long. He's had a couple of moments where I felt like early in the year where some of his numbers were elevated just because Skip was trying to stretch him out. They knew that was an arm they could trust and maybe left him in a little too long. But now some more guys have come along. It seems like Carter is starting to hit his stride in the bullpen.
1: Randy, confidence, confidence, confidence. That's one thing over and over these guys keep talking about. Look, they're all B1 baseball players. They, they they can all play. They can all pitch. They can all hit. So when things aren't going right, I think that's what you can circle is what's the mood of these guys. Now, when things are good, uh, they come on our show and talk about the confidence being up and the dugout being in good spirit. So that, to me, is key. I, I think you're seeing a couple guys out of the bullpen with Carson and Campbell that, that are playing confident. Mm-hmm. I think you saw an offense last night swinging the bat with confidence, and it, it's good to see. You kind of wish, you know, they might have surfaced earlier in the season, but there are certainly reasons it didn't. Uh, but, it, you know, nevertheless, it's, it's a really good timing with the, with the two toughest paths uh, the, ahead of this team.
0: Hey, you know, let's let's go one step further. Maybe the reason it hasn't developed. I, I've talked about this all year long. I'm being a little facetious here, but the weather, <laughs> the weather. I don't know if you. Hey, i
1: I heard I heard Roland bring it up on the broadcast. You're not alone. I
0: did you hear the record?
1: Well, were they better in good weather?
0: Uh, better. Um, it's an understatement. This was. Going out of Sunday's game in games above sixty degrees, they are they were fifteen and nine. After Sunday, they were sixteen and nine. After last night, they're seventeen and nine. Games under sixty degrees,
1: eight and eleven. Oh. I, I kind of have to have George Fraser's response to that, that I, I don't buy into it, but it's hard to argue with math or Andy.
0: The I, I, only reason I buy into it just a little, and it's not like ooh, the reason they've had, you know, struggles. The only reason is offense everywhere is better with better weather. The warmer it is, you don't get that sting in the aluminum bat when you hit it off the end, or, you know, it's just everyone's looser. Pitchers are looser. But everyone's playing in it. So that's why I'm like, right. we don't really buy into it. But it is kind of an impressive thing. And how about this? Just for fun, I decided while we were on this call. like, Let's look up the forecast for this weekend.
1: Uh-oh. Please be over 60 oh. if you're an OU fan.
0: Let's just say, be glad they're not playing today, according to, is this AccuWeather? Weather.com. It's 48 today. Yuck. High on Friday, though? Oh, of course, pop-ups, damn it. The high on Friday, 68.
1: Oh, there you go. There you go. Hey, Hi- we're eight, eight degrees for the better.
0: Hey, high on Saturday, 75. High on Sunday, 75.
1: Now, if things don't go as planned, this was not a jinx. It was not a forecasted jinx. It's no. a jinx and plan good and, and good weather, but that's, it's hard to argue with the record, man. I even a couple players that have come on have mentioned, "Yeah, oh, we're glad it's getting warmer. It's better. Uh, maybe you're onto something. Maybe you and Roland are onto the the key to this whole
0: thing." Hey, I do I think just everybody plays better. And no offense, I think part of it is it's a mental thing, and I'll be honest, I think the coaching staff needs to get over it a little, and this is not a criticism, but man, they're always the ones bundled up. Hey, hey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. I mean, I, I text Gaines, Ryan Gaines, the director of baseball cold. operations in Oklahoma. If I see him bundled up, you know, when I watch the games on Plus, like, man, are you nice and warm? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm nice and cozy in the dugout. The players aren't. Yeah, they're, they're out getting the brunt of that. So maybe you're, you're
0: onto something. And, and trust me, I'm kind of joking because I hate colds. So I'd be bundled up, too. So I'm, I'm being a little facetious here. But, yeah, man, and I got to admit, my players wouldn't be wearing those head things on their heads during the cold weather. Uh-uh. We gone. We made <laughs> Yeah. That would, fly uh, well, for about, nice. that would fly for about one week, and then I'm sure, yeah. Okay, everyone, put these on. Yeah, now, please. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or, or you'd have a revolt while you're nice and cozy in the dugout. Exactly. Having hot chocolate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what are y'all cold about? Under a blanket or something? Yeah, that, that would be me. Hey, right, come on. Go out there. Sleeveless. Let's go.
1: Yeah, come on be men yeah the men don't need sleeves. we'll go
0: exactly no it's funny but yeah it's crazy the weather they i'll admit this year hasn't been the best weather for college baseball in this part of the country you know it seems like every time you think it's going to be there but that record thing i heard that on sunday and i was like oh my god that's what i've talked about for a month on the podcast you have you
1: have, you have. And, and the players i mean I, I would completely discount it except we've heard guys like kendall pettis and braxton dalfit bring it up so i whether it's psychological, it is physical. You, you know that. Yeah. It feels better to be outside when you're not freezing. So I mean, it it you know it makes sense to a to a degree.
0: It does, hey man. But it's going to be a fun weekend, and I think it's going to be an interesting weekend because Calvin brought it up in that interview. Look at the conference standings. Just just look. Crazy. Let's say somehow, some way, OU is able to go win the series this weekend again. Not a sweep, just win. Right. That puts West Virginia down to six losses. Oklahoma State would have seven losses. OU would have ten losses if they only lost one game. Then you got TCU with ten losses. You got Texas. What do they got? Eight losses right now. And somebody else. Oh, Tex nine and nine right now. And so, like, they're not playing. It's only four teams playing this weekend. Going to that final two week stretch, Dave. It's almost like if you're the rest of the conference, regardless if you want to win the conference or not, which I know everyone does, you almost have to be rooting for Oklahoma to win, if not somehow pull off a miracle sweep, just for the fun that the last two weeks is going to be in this conference.
1: Hey, man, I, I get uh, direct messages from OSU fans that have listened to our show, and, and you know they say, hey, we need Oklahoma to go do this and that this week. And we, a thousand percent, you have Cowboys pulling for Sooners in this thing because that, if they're able to go up in the number one team as close as the teams are behind the number one and two teams, mm. that just throws everything on its ear and becomes a, a brand-new race.
0: Well, and let me tell and you, it, it, if Oklahoma pulls off the sweep, Katie barred the door for this conference because then that puts the teams that are currently in fifth and sixth spot, like what, a game out of first place?
1: It's that close, yeah. I
0: mean, it's cra- a game and a half, I think it would be. That's how insane it. it. Yeah, I mean, insane.
1: No, it's uh, if they were able to get the sweep, I mean, we think the conference is crazy now. Next week's show, if that happens, yeah, I wouldn't even have the vocabulary for it. But that being said, the way the season's gone, it would not surprise me if that happened, Randy. Yeah. It just it wouldn't.
0: I, I know, and we'll do our predictions here in a minute because I'll be honest. In my head, I've gone back and forth on what I think going to ha- what's going to happen in this conference in general. You know. For this weekend, the non-conference ones are maybe the hardest ones to pick because some of these teams, kind of like Carter, I mean, I was glad to see him say that or hear him say that that maybe they're actually acknowledging it, that they haven't played well against the bad teams, but against good teams, they've played pretty well.
1: He's He's not wrong. They're 4-1 and, and their last five against the top 25 teams.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of one of those things. It's good that the team hopefully is starting to realize that where maybe they learn now to play consistent baseball against all teams. But I think that's the problem with the entire Big 12. That's the reason this race is so jumbled because everyone's that way. It's like good teams, everyone's going out and giving their best. You play some of the lower-end teams, and it's kind of like, eh. And you could say that's what happened to Texas, maybe against Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, you can. I think that speaks to maybe people don't realize that in football, you hear about it all the time, a team having a down week because of who they're playing. They can't get up to play them. People don't realize that's the same in every sport, including baseball. So he he touched on it. Hey, if we're going to play number one West Virginia in the league, yeah, we don't need any extra motivation. If you're playing Lamar at home on a Wednesday, you might. And I, I think that's kind of where they've struggled to find consistent, consistency this year. And yeah, yeah, you're right. They should not need an, any extra motivation with everything on the line and who they're playing this weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wild week, you know. I think as far as for Oklahoma, because I think Friday, it's really big in a lot of ways. The Friday game for Oklahoma. Let let's just talk about it. And it's not necessarily to get the win. Yeah, winning on Friday, it gives you the leisure to only have to win one of the t- next two to win the series. But I think where it's big, too, you need the Braxton-Dolphit from Texas, not the one right. from Kansas. You need him to be able right. to go out and give you a really solid six innings. Because when they do that, it seems like that's when the bullpen even pitches better.
1: Yeah, they do. And he's going he's to have to match uh, Blaine Traxel for West Virginia, their Friday night guy. He's 6-3 and three on the year. Hey, he's been every bit as good as Lucas Gordon has. I mean, I've, I've watched mm-hmm. him their games. He, he has just as good of stuff. So when Braxton Dalphit is at his best version, I think he can match either one of those guys pitch for pitch. He did Gordon down in Austin until OU was able to get some offense and win that game, but that's what they need Friday. If they're able to get that win, that, that just takes so much pressure off Saturday and Sunday knowing you just have to get one more.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt about it, and that makes, that makes your team breathe easier because all of a sudden when you do what Oklahoma did last week, lose Friday, and you know you need to win series, that makes those next two games tight. You know, Pressure pack. Yeah, I mean, and so that's, that's where it's really interesting to see what happens on Friday, but I, I think it's not even as much winning. Get that good pitching performance and see where you can go. You know, and and that's the key. And because I really like what you see out of the Saturday spot, you know, Braden Carmichael, he's just a bulldog, goes out and grinds it every day. And then I also like what you see out of Sunday. And we mentioned Jamie hit maybe the biggest, best arm throwing on Sunday as far as consistent starters for a big 12 team. So you feel like you got that advantage if you're Oklahoma going into Sunday. So it's just about winning one of those first two.
1: It is. And, Randy, I'll bring up one more thing during this, this kind of nice run that OU's been on that that's being overlooked a little bit. Defense. All three of these guys are pitch-to-contact pitchers. They don't have overpowering stuff. So you need the defense behind them to be spectacular. They have been. Uh, they've limited the errors. Wallace Clark. Had a tremendous game Sunday, uh, was a defensive MVP. Well, it's kind of hard to, to discount what Kendall Pettis did, bring back a home run. But yeah. those are the plays I'm, I'm talking about you have to have behind those type of pitchers. And right now, they're playing really good defense behind those guys. And,
0: and no doubt. And, you know, we, we talked about texting back and forth and everything. And I said a couple of weeks ago when Dakota came back, this will make the team better because Wallace has been in a funk. I think he would admit it defensively, offensively, he's been in a funk. Having Dakota back allows them to let him have like a series off, like he did against Texas, and then gradually get him back into the system where it's not all on his shoulders to be the third baseman every day. You know, because now you got the utility knife, Swiss Army knife, and Anthony McKenzie that can go from first to third. You know, if Jackson Nicholas needs a day off, he can play second, he can play short. You know, all of a sudden, it lets everyone else relax and breathe. And so I think you've seen a big change in the offense for that factor alone.
1: Yeah, and you you did call it. That's exactly what you said with Harris coming back, that that would be a big key. And I was curious as to why – why mess with a good thing, you know? By by inserting Clark back in the game, but I, I think the staff did exactly what what you said. Hey, give the guy a break, let him take a breath, put him back in, and it worked. He had one of the best games he's had all season Sunday.
0: Yeah, r- really true, man. And let let's talk about the other series in the Big Twelve coming up this week. I mean, it, it's going to be very interesting. But the other conference series, let's focus on it. That is Kansas and Texas at Kansas. We've talked about it with Calvin. I I think Texas wins a series two to one, but again, it's not one that I'm gonna look up and go, Oh my god, they didn't win the series at the end of the weekend if Kansas comes out on top. Tricky
1: series. Do you wanna go ahead and do our predictions while yeah. we're on these these okay? That's kinda why I thought we just
0: kinda of wrap it all up with this, yeah.
1: Okay, no, no. okay. Let's uh Kansas-Texas. Man, that's tricky. Uh, to be honest, if it went either way, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm right there with you. That being said, I like what Texas just did at TCU. I think they're finding some consistency. I'm going to take the Horns to go up in Lawrence and win 2-1. to
0: one. I, I do, too, and I take them reluctantly because it seems like every time I feel like Texas is going, they go into the tank. So, uh, I, I'm going to go with Texas 2-1.
1: I can't believe I just heard that, but okay. All right, you're going
0: with Texas. I'm telling you, every time, though, they bite me in the rear. (laughs) It's really weird, some of these out-of-conference series. Oklahoma State, they go to Ann Arbor last week. They play East Tennessee State this week. I I think for anything, if you're a Cowboy fan, this series is not about winning and losing because they're going to win this series, I feel like, 3-0. But it's more about, you know, you played a bad Michigan team last week. You won two-run games. You got 8-5 and was it 7-5, five, five, I think, something like that, two and a three-run yeah. victory. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's about going and dominating these teams from the mound as much it is, as it is at the plate for them this week.
1: Hey, look, East Tennessee State, let's call it like it is, no disrespect towards them. This is a a step up from a good scrimmage for OSU. They, they want to take the field and do exactly what you said, dominate see their position guys do what they expect them to do have their pitchers do what they expect them to do hit the ball score runs win these three games Uh, i think they do three three oh that's not really a prediction i just think that's going to happen but anyway uh tcu and cal state fullerton down in fort worth they play a three-game set that's interesting out of conference game
0: to be honest it's really interesting because we talk about bubble teams in the big 12 early in the year fullerton wasn't doing that great the very start of the year they've turned it on this year they're they're winning their conference. They're a lock, I think, for the tournament. I I'd have to look up their RPI here in a second, but I mean, they're a team that's really good right now. And I I sit here and I'm thinking, TCU, you're you're just like Oklahoma. You're just like, you know, Texas Tech. You're firmly on the bubble. I don't right. think they're in. I mean, Cal Fullerton's RPI is 45, so it's not like the highest in the world, but their record's 26-13. and 13. Like I say, they, they're leading their conference. This is a chance for TCU to really gain some momentum going into that stretch run for them in the conference and beat a good team.
1: Yeah, it really is. And TCU coming off a series loss to Texas, you, you know they're probably a little angry about that and wanting to get out and play some good baseball. They need to. And you're right, they're on the bubble right there with Texas Tech and Oklahoma, uh, the thing that Oklahoma has going for them is they do have the series win over TCU, yeah. so yeah, TCU really really needs to start putting together some wins in these series, but uh, interesting week in the Big 12. I'm not really sure how that happened where you've got so many out-of-conference series, not just one game sets during the week, but uh, g- going to be fun to watch, yeah. and uh, I think uh, I think TCU wins that series. I'll go ahead and predict it. Uh, two to one down in down in Fort Worth. Yeah,
0: I'm going to go two to one as well. Sam Houston State and Texas Tech, it may be the best non conference series that's happening in the Big 12 this week, and that's not saying Sam Houston State is great by any stretch this year. I mean, when you look at the Bobcats' record, they're okay, they're 28 and 18, but their RPI is 94. And this is kind of one of those series, a decent enough opponent, if you're Texas Tech, who's on that bubble, you can't afford to drop two of three to Sam Houston State, and I don't think they will.
1: No, I don't either, though. You you know, as well as everybody else that that follows baseball or any type of sports, these kids from uh, other Texas schools, when they play the bigger you know, in-state schools, they give it everything they've got, and it, it always seems to make these games interesting, but... Playing in Lubbock, you know, I, I give them the nod for that, and I'll go ahead and pick the Red Raiders to win that series two to one.
0: I, I agree with you. And in a Pete Hughes special to, <laughs> to fluff up his one total like he likes to do to make him look better than he is, they play Southeast Missouri State, and back to the Jekyll and Hyde that Kansas State is on the road to home. They lose a one nothing game on the road to Wichita State last night, and now they go home to play Southeast Missouri State. If they don't sweep, I'd be shocked.
1: Yeah, I would too, uh, simply because where they're playing, you touched on it, Link, their struggles on the road. They're a different team in Manhattan, and so I'm going to go ahead and say they get the sweep of this uh, stout Southeast Missouri State team that they host that uh, Pete Hughes, I'm, I'm sure, is going to enjoy playing.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're over 500 on the road when I give them a hard time. They're 13 and 9, but they're 15-6 and six at home. It's just crazy to look at how well they do on the road compared to home.
1: They like the home cooking, Randy. Which that's a lot uh, of teams do,
0: and I get it, but it's just it's amazing. It's like, okay, that's why a lot of times I feel really safe in predicting wins at home for them. And well, I th-
1: you did last week, and then you won. You, yeah, you picked, picked them to beat Texas Tech, and I picked Texas Tech, and you won. I'm glad that you keep you know bringing that up. So,
0: hey, no, no, you, but you picked TCU, and I, or you picked Texas, and I picked TCU. It all balances right. out, man. It balances out. It, it did. It yeah. did. Hey, it's going to be a fun weekend, Dave. Again, give one shout out to our sponsor. I know the a spot already played in there, but give a shout out to your sp- friend and our sponsor.
1: Yeah, Chris Driegel Tag Firearms up in North Dakota. Uh, talked to Chris this week. He's about to go on a hunt with the, with the firearm manufacturer Q and that they, they specialize in Q LLC products uh, along with Novesky, Knights Armament, pretty much any of the top end firearms that, that you need or anything else you can find. Uh, suppressors, he's got name it. He's got it. Optics, same deal. Suppressor wraps. Uh, anything that you need in the world of firearms, tag firearms, www.tagfirearms.com. Hit them up. They'll set you up.
0: All right, man. Hey, we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Randy, you've been listening to the bullpen brothers podcast right here. Part of the franchise podcast network.